This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. John chapter 2, verse 1. John chapter 2, verse number 1. And for sake of time, I'm going to jump right into the scriptures and uh, read in just a moment. If you're just joining us, we are in the fourth installment. This is the fourth week of a series that we're going through called True Values. And we're talking together as a community, as a church, about the values that we should have. And I just want to say that even this last week, once again, the political landscape is just in chaos. So many accusations, so many wars and rumors of wars and everything that's shifting in our society. And we want to, as a people of God, we want to know what to value, what to build our lives on, what to build our families on, our businesses on. And we're talking about not just our community values, but we're talking about God's values. And I just say this, whatever God values, we value. If it's important to God, it's important to us. So all of a sudden, when you become a Christian, poor people become important to you because they matter to God. Widows and orphans become important to you because they matter to God. All of humanity becomes important because if it's important, if God values it, we value it. And we talked about subjects like money, talked about subjects like serving last Sunday. I want to talk today on Mother's Day, I want to talk about one of God's greatest values, and that is the value, the, the precedence that he places on family. The value of family, and I'm excited to preach about family today. Anybody today, you love your family. Come on, make some noise if you love your family. You got some family pride. Beach boys, got family pride. So I'm going to preach about family today. Let's go first to John chapter 2 and verse number number 1. If you're with me, say yeah. yeah. Now louder than that, say yeah. yeah. John chapter 2, verse number 1. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. So they are not wedding crashing. They were invited too. So they were also invited to the way. When the wine was gone, oh snap, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Jesus says, woman, why do you involve me in these issues? That's their fault. Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. What is Jesus saying? Now we, we believe in our church that our Savior, Jesus Christ, he was born of the Virgin Mary. He was born of the Virgin Mary in a manger. We believe that Jesus, we don't see him again until he's 12 years old. At thir- This is now, he's 30 years of age, and this is about ready. He's about time. It's about to be his coming out that people will know that this guy is not just the son of a carpenter. This is not just another kid down the street. He's about to flex on the world that he is the Messiah of the universe. Let me just say this to somebody today. If God has you in hiding for a good 15 years, that doesn't mean that God has forgotten about you. That doesn't mean that God has changed his plan about you. But God's timing is never too early and he's never too late. Anybody thank God that God didn't put you on a platform before you were ready. Didn't give you a mic. Come on, somebody help me today. Anybody thankful for the good and the perfect pleasing timing? of the Lord. Jesus knew he wasn't ready at 21. None of us are. He wasn't even ready at 25. He wasn't ready at 
28, at 30 years of age, something around this time, God is getting ready to unleash the magnificence and the glory of his son on the world. He says to his mother, my time has not come yet. His mother said to the servants, nope. This is so, such a mom. The son's saying, mom, it's not my time. The mom just looks, yes, it is. I, I, I know when your time is, not you. <laughs> His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from, the 20, from 20 to 30 gallons. By the way, six is the number in the Bible that represents man. There are six jars of water here. Isn't it interesting that now the seventh water, the living water, Jesus himself is going to complete. Seven represents completion and fullness. This is Jesus saying that you only got six, but when I come in, you got everything that you need. So now there's only six jars, and these are the ones that the Jews use for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some water out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. Let me just say this to you today. Our God has the power to take ordinary things and turn it into extraordinary things. Our God can take ruins and turn it into glory. Our God can take destruction and turn it into redemption. Anybody thank God today that he turns things that are ordinary into the extraordinary. Come on, we want some more faith here today. Anybody thank God he can do it with water, he can do it with wine and he can do it with you and I and so it says that he turned it into wine he did not realize where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside aside and said everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine that you buy at 7-eleven like barefoot <laughs> ain't none worse than some barefoot wine <laughs> after the guests had too much to drink but you have saved the best till now a lot of you laughing because you had it. <laughs> what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was their first signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed in him. And after this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and disciples. That, and there they stayed a few days. This is a beautiful story in the scriptures about Jesus and his relationship with his family and his mother. I think it's so interesting that God in all of his wisdom, God, the Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't it interesting that God could have dropped a 33-year-old from the sky? God has the power to drop a well-produced and full-grown 30-year-old. But God saw fit in his practicality, in his relatability, God saw fit to put the Messiah of the universe into a family. We know that Jesus was born just like you and I. Jesus had a mother, her name was Mary, and a father, his name was Joseph. They had a job. He had siblings. We know that he had a brother named James. How'd you like to grow up and your big bro is Jesus? That's cheating in chemistry, math, and basketball. Like really you walk on water and you can jump that high? Yeah, right. Jesus was in a family. 
He was in a family his whole life. In fact, we know about his relationship with mom that an angel comes to his mom before he's ever born and an angel talks to him. The, the parents had the excitement. Even though this was conceived of the Holy Spirit, they still had the anticipation like it was, it was their child. He was, he was there, the, the parents were there before he was born, when he was born, at 12 years old. Jesus, anybody thankful that when Jesus was 12, he was run around and his parents couldn't find him and they were mad at him just like your parents were? The 12 years old, he was running around and his parents were looking for him. We don't see Jesus from 12 to 30. Here, his mom is at the party when he comes out in all of his glory. His mom is there when he's dying on the cross and he looks out in, in John chapter 19. His mom was there when he died on the cross for the sins of the world. His mom was there at the tomb when they walked up to see his body and they were going to go prepare his body and give all the, 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 the different smells and burial whatever thing that they did, preparations, and my mind, whatever. And so, and the mom was there when the angel said, he's not here, he has risen, just as he said. His mom was there when he ascended back to be with the father. His family was there for him his entire life. There is something about the value of family. God saw it so important that even the savior of the universe was placed in a family. I want to say to you today, there is a difference between your physical family and your spiritual family. God has placed you into the spiritual family of God. Maybe you didn't grow up with the best family in the whole world. The Bible says in Psalm 27 verse 10, though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord himself will receive me. You have a home in this place. You belong in this house. Somebody thank God today that there's a difference between your physical family and your spiritual family and God knows how to place you, where to place you, and who to place you with. I want to preach a message today on this beautiful day, beautiful Mother's Day. Can you write down the title of today's talk? It's called Family Matters. Family Matters. I'm going to pray. I'm going to believe that God will come and he'll speak to us this morning. Father, thank you so much for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of these times that we can gather and be strengthened and be encouraged. We pray on a day like today, open up our eyes so we can see Jesus, open up our ears so we can hear the Holy Spirit do something unique and profound in this setting amongst us. God, thank you that you've given us a physical family and we pray a blessing on our spiritual family. Thank you for every person that calls this place home. God, we are thankful for who who they are, what they add. God, help us to be a church and a family that is unified, that loves each other, and roots ferociously for the Dodgers and the Lakers in Jesus' name. And we all said together, Amen. come on, if you're unified, put your hands together and thank God. Come on, that the Lakers are going to win the championship this next year. We're a faith people. I'm telling you. I grew up in church. Can I just see your hand if you grew up in church? Let me just see your hand if you grew up in church. I grew up in church. My dad is a pastor. So I grew up going to church every single Sunday. Like I was always in church growing up. And I noticed the old, when I was young, I didn't really pay attention because we were just running around playing outside on the playground. But when I was older and, and like middle school, high school age, I started to recognize that there were some people in the church that I was growing up with that kind of made you go, you know what I'm talking about? 
Like when I was growing up in church, my dad is a very, he's a very sweet man. He's very kind. He's kind of a type B. I'm a type A. You know, my dad's a type B. And so my dad would get up on Sundays and every Sunday right out of the worship, my dad would get up and he just, he'd have his legs like this. I'll never forget. Just always have his legs like this. And, he, and, he, and he'd stand there and he'd just be quiet before God and just very, very somber, very sweet. Sarah over here, she grew up in the church I grew up in. She can, she can testify of this. And so, <laughs> testify that's old school <laughs> and so so every Sunday though my dad would always say anybody here in the church have a word from God I was always like dad this is a bad idea because the same people every Sunday always have a word from God and I think they're just trying to accuse other people in the building of doing some stuff they don't like and so the older I get, the more I understood this was not the spirit of God. This was just angry folks in my dad's church. They didn't have Facebook, so they couldn't subtweet. They didn't have Instagram, so they couldn't post against people. This was just their time. So my dad would get so beautiful. Anybody here feel like they're hearing from God? And the same three people always had a word. And it was always about repenting about this, that, or the other. Getting right with God. And I was, I was like, Dad, this is a very un usual family. I, I grew up just not being so proud of my spiritual family. There's some oddball cousins and aunts and uncles in the church we're just going to separate ourselves with. <laughs> I, I, I want to talk today about one of God's greatest values, and that is the value of family. I, just hear me for a moment. I believe with all my heart that one of the areas that the enemy attacks in our world, it is the family value. All the way back to the first book of the Bible, let's go to the book of Genesis and just three examples how the enemy tried to bring discord, disunity, sibling rivalry in the first book of the Bible. Let's go to the book of Genesis. The first two born of humanity are a man named Adam and a woman named, what's her name? Eve, Adam, what's her name? Eve, a man named Adam and a woman, woman named Eve. And Adam and Eve, they gave birth to two boys, and their, their names were Cain and Abel. Do you realize that there was such angry hostility between Cain and Abel that one of them kills the other, and God shows up and asks the bro, hey, man, where is your brother? And that is where we find in the scriptures a man saying to God, am I my brother's keeper? Am I responsible for my brother? All the way in the first book of the Bible, we see hatred. We see sibling rivalry. We see discord. We see dissension. Let's go to another story. What about Jacob? Jacob actually takes his brother's inheritance, Esau, and goes to his dad, Isaac, fakes uh, uh, that he is hairy. That was Esau that was hairy. He wasn't. Fakes it and robs his brother of his inheritance. So now we got two examples. Let's go to the third example, the one that stole the inheritance, Jacob. He's got a whole bunch of boys, Joseph. Joseph is the younger of the brethren. The brothers hate how favored he is. If you're the youngest here, do not raise your hand because we are already upset at you. If you are the oldest, raise your hand. We love you. We're praying for you. Healing virtue in Jesus' name. You've been through some stuff. You deserve gluten bread. I'm the oldest. And they sell him into slavery, and Joseph's gone. And just even in the first book of the Bible, you see this, the, the strategy and the scheme of the devil is to, to take out families, take out siblings, 
take out the value and, and the, the unity and the blessing that is there. There ain't no life like the family life. There ain't nothing like living in a family with harmony and unity, a family that celebrates each other, a family that honors one another, a family that doesn't fight against each other but fights for each other. I want to preach today about how we're going to spin the scheme of the enemy and we're going to stand up as a local church and we are going to be the spiritual family that God has called us to be. Somebody put your hands together this morning if you're grateful today. Come on, I don't know what your physical family looks like, but I know what your spiritual family looks like. And you can just write this down. You belong here. You belong in this family. This family is not for elite. It's not for perfect. It's not for highly spiritual people. This family is for one and all because that is the good news of the gospel. The gospel is for all of humanity. It's not for people that can quote scripture. It's not for anybody that has a word. It's for anybody that walks through the doors. It's for anybody that says yes to accepting Jesus. Watch what the Bible says. Come on, some of you are clapping because you understand the good news. We, we all belong here. Watch what it says here in Ephesians 2. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith, or let's say the word household, this household of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anybody. You belong here. There ain't no feeling like walking into anybody's house and being like, I belong here. Nobody can take my seat. Nobody can ask me to leave. Nobody can make me feel small. Nobody can act like I don't belong. No, I belong here because I'm family here. Let me just tell you, at Zoe Church, in your spiritual family, you belong at this place. Come on, somebody put your hands together and thank God for all the people that are realizing today, I found a place that I belong. I can set up camp. I can raise my kids. I can grow old in this house. I found a place that I belonged. I don't know what your background is. I don't know what your ethnicity is. I don't know what your socioeconomic background is but I know the reality of the gospel and the value of this house you belong here come on that's good news for somebody today you can walk in this place and just feel like I don't know what it is I've been to a lot of churches I've been to a lot of different buildings but there's some I, I, I felt like I belonged that is the spirit of family by the way church is not an organization church is a family we are the family of God this is the household of faith we are brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus we're going to celebrate and honor God on this planet we're going to worship for together forever in, in, in heaven come on somebody thank God today that we are the family of God God did not put you into a religious structure. He put you into a family. There is a difference between your physical family, my physical family. I have a father. I have a mother. I have a little brother and a little sister. Julia's side, I have in-laws. I have a father-in-law. I have a mother-in-law and three sister-in-laws and all kinds of, they all married. They all got kids. I don't know all their names, but they're wonderful. They are great people. I'm kidding. Stop, you guys. Let's be serious. My wife said, prove it. <laughs> this is your physical family. I want to talk today about the value of your spiritual family. You've you, you got a spiritual inheritance. You and I have the realities. True values is that you put a premium, you put a value on your spiritual family. 
And we're going to parallel, and I hope that you would take some things out of your spiritual family today and apply them to your physical family. And some things that you're good at in your physical family, apply them. And so we just kind of, I, I listen, I don't live my life going like, as Zoe, I'm this, at home, I'm that. At home, I'm here. and this. No, we're building one family, one life. Not one way in church and another out. So number one, you belong here. But I'm going to give you six things about our family values at Zoe Church that I want you to understand. Write down, here's the first value that we have. This family is full of love. Oh, I, lo I love it. I just, I love it. Because the law of opposite of love is hatred. So we're not full of hate. We're not full of venom. We're not full of competition. We're not full of discord. We're full of love. This family here, we are full of love. Love is bursting out of our seams. Love is overwhelming our reality. Love is not something that we do. Love is who we are. God doesn't do love. He is love. Watch here what the Bible teaches us in 1 John chapter 4, verse number 18. And watch here about love and God. It says there is no fear in love. Why? Because perfect love drives out, or other translations say, casts out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. Some of you are afraid because you got hurt at your last church and you're wondering, is this going to happen at this church? No, 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 no. That's not living by love. That's living by fear. We don't live in fear here in this family. We live by love in this family. This house is full of love. It's not full of loving you in, in, in uh, percentages, loving you in pie charts. I love half of you. I love 75%. No, we love you just where you are. We love you where you are on the journey, what you're going through. You might be trying to get off something. You might be trying to get out of something. You might be trying to sort some area of your life, but I'll tell you, we're going to love you through that thing. We love you just where you are. God does not ask you to get your stuff together so he can love you better. God loves you better so you get your stuff together. Somebody thank the Lord today that this is a house that is full. Can you sense it today? Come on, somebody thank God. Can you feel it? The love is in the house. Remember that Black Eyed Peas song, Where is the Love? The love should be at church. You should feel loved in your house. I don't want to go to a church where I come in and question how everybody feels about me. I don't want to go to a church that I walk in and go on like, am I still accepted? No, 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 no. When you walk in here, you should feel championed. You should feel cherished. You should feel believed in. You should feel accepted. You should feel loved. Come on, that's not an organization that can do that. That's a home that can do that. That's a family that can do that. I love that about God. Write down number two. This family does honesty. Because if I love you, this house is full of love. If I love you, I'm honest with you. How can I tell somebody that loves me? Because they're honest with me. If you don't love me, you'll lie to me. If you don't love me, you hold things behind my back. If you don't love me, you keep secrets. But if you love me, you tell me things to my face. This morning, I'm kind of a mess. I've been sick all week and not feeling good. And, 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 and this morning, I came into the pre-service meeting at 845. We had service at 9 a.m. this morning, by the way. That is a miracle of God. I never thought Zoe would meet that, or I never thought anybody would come. But I came to the meeting at 845, and I stand in the back, and Marcus, who was up leading worship today, Marcus looked at me, and he goes, whoop, whoop. And I was like, what? And he looked at me, he gave me that guy code look like, your, that code that says, your zipper's down. And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So now I know forever what the whoop whoop means. <laughs> if anybody ever walking through the church and looks at you and says, whoop whoop, he's like, okay, sorry. 
But I was like, I know he loves me because he told me. By the way, this front row right here, some of these suckers down here let me preach an entire service with my zipper down and never gave me a whoop whoop. <laughs> but you know somebody loves you, they tell you, hey, you got something in your teeth, you got something in your nose, because listen, love is honest. You cannot have deep, meaningful relationships without transparency, without authenticity, without vulnerability. I want to tell you that we serve a God that is truth. And some of you think that you can't be honest because you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. But I want to tell you that Jesus was full of truth and grace. And let me say it this way. Jesus, or life itself, it, we must be those that are filled with grace and filled with truth. Because grace is full of truth, and truth is full of grace. And some of us are afraid to be honest because we don't know how it's going to make other people feel. Or we don't know if they can handle the truth. They don't know if we can be those kind of people. But we will never have a family that is attractive, a family that is strong, without transparency and honesty. You can't have any real relationships without honesty. And watch what the Bible teaches here. This is Ephesians chapter 4. And watch how it says that we're to speak the truth. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. In other words, we will grow to be the family that God has intended us to be if we speak the truth in love. I do not want to be a part of a community where I live my life with my zipper down. And nobody says, hey, bro, you know you're, I want to be a part of a church where there's honesty, transparency. We are not just full of love at Zoe. We're full of honesty. We tell one another the truth in love. We, we serve one another by being honest. We serve one another by being transparent. Come on, anybody thankful today that we have the ability, we have the ear of one another, we have the trust of one another. We're not afraid to hear the truth. Come on, write down number three. This family, we do second chances. Yes, we do. We do second chances at Zoe. You can make a mistake. You can make a blunder. You can fall. You can, you can make the dumbest mistake in the world. You can do something that's so out, outrageous, egregious, something that breaks everybody's heart here. You'll still get a second chance here. There is nothing that you have done that is so bad that God can't heal and God can't restore. There's nothing you've touched, nothing you've looked at, nothing that you've done, nothing that you've spent that God can't redeem and restore and actually use it for his glory. In our church, we do second chances because God himself, he does second chances. God gave us another chance to Elijah. He gave another chance to Jonah. He gave another chance to David. He gave another chance to Paul. He gave another chance to Peter. He gave another chance all throughout. The, he gave it to Jonah. He gave it to Moses. He gave it to Rahab. Come on, somebody thank God today that you got another chance when you didn't deserve it. So come on, somebody help me preach today. If you're grateful that we serve the God of second chance chances, third chances, fourth He is the God of second chances. And don't you come into our family and start writing people off that aren't perfect. Don't you come into this family and start treating people better if they're perfect. We got people in this place that are on a journey. They are not well. They are not put together. They are not redeemed yet. They're getting off this and off that and going through this and out of this relationship. And I, for one, want to build a home and build a family of second chances. Come on, this is a church that's filled with second chance people. 
Come on, somebody, if you're a second chance person, put your hands together and thank the Lord this morning that nobody written you off. Nobody turned their back. Nobody asked you to leave. Come on, you got a second chance. It's the spirit of the gospel. And let me ask you, is it the spirit of your house? When people make a mistake, we're so harsh. We're so critical. So how could they? And, and, and we, we want to get on our, on our high horse and look down. And you better be careful because sooner, sooner or later, that thing's going to come right back at you. And Jesus said, Jesus, and, and Jesus said, and emphasis on Jesus, and one more time, Jesus said, the same measure you use out for people is the same measure that's coming back to you. And I pray I use a measure of grace in my world. I use a measure of mercy in my world. I use a measure of peace in my world. We are not harsh in this house. We are not critical in this house. Watch what the Bible teaches us in Galatians chapter 6 about restoring people that have fallen and need a second chance. It says this, live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Saving your, oh gosh, I wish I could preach this. Saving your critical comments for yourself. You might be needing forgiveness before the day's out. Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. If you think you are too good for that, you are badly deceived. That's powerful stuff right there by the Apostle Paul talking about a household of faith that is not writing others off, so mad, so angry, so short-fused, so, so easily given a temper. No, we're over here saying, I'm, I got a second chance, I could give a second chance. I've been forgiven, I ought to give, give away forgiveness. You will only be gracious to others if you can be gracious to yourself. If you can't forgive what you've done, you'll never forgive what somebody else has done. In this household, we do love. In this home, we do, we do forgiveness. In this home, we do, we do second chances. And I'm grateful today that we have a house that is filled with gracious people. I love Zoe people. You get a sense of forgiveness around them. You get a, you get a sense when someone walks away, when they come back, we celebrate like we're the prodigal's father. That is a house I want to be a part of anybody else. Write down the fourth thing. This family, we're willing to say, I'm sorry. Maybe the two hardest words to say in the English language is, I'm sorry. Say it out loud with me just so it feels good. Come on. Say, say I'm sorry. No, a little louder. It feels good. Say, I'm sorry. Look at somebody next to you and tell them, I'm sorry. Just with a smile on your face. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. In this house, in, in, in this family, we will not go anywhere without saying we're sorry for mistakes that we made. I, I, I want to I have a household of faith and I want to have all this, that, and the other. But you ever notice how you unintentionally hurt somebody's feelings? You ever notice how you didn't, you didn't realize that this was going to cause this issue or cause this thing? Or you didn't realize this was going to happen and, and, and this, this, so-and-so gets offended or so-and-so gets this crease and they get mad and they're going through this? Listen, whenever people walk like this and they start drifting that way, you ought to beg them to come back. Just, whatever we can do, how can we help you? Text them, can we meet, can we get a coffee? Why? Because the Bible says live at peace to the best of your ability with all people. So our job is we're not slow to say we're sorry. We're quick to say we're sorry. Because as soon as you say you're sorry, 
all of the dissension, all of the angst, all of the anger, all of the frustration, it just gets simmered and the devil cannot work where there is apology and forgiveness. That's why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give the enemy a foothold. You go down on your anger, the enemy's going to crack open your heart, and pretty soon, a week later, he's got an inch, and then he took a mile, and now you are seated with embitterment, you're seated with unforgiveness, you've got discord, your relationships are flying this way and that, all because you went to bed angry. I want to tell you today, be someone that says, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have said it. I shouldn't have rooted for the Clippers. I shouldn't have said, go angels. I shouldn't have done that stuff. I Paul, I know it was personal. I'm sorry. I apologize. Should have put hair product in this morning. My bad. You got to be someone that is willing. The only way this household can work. Again, we're talking about family values and the true values. And this is, this is true for your physical family. It's true for your spiritual family. I am not above saying to anybody in this church or anybody I've offended, I am so sorry for offending you. Now, some people, it's their, it's, it's their immaturity. It's their issue. They got to grow up. But we're still not above saying we're sorry. We're still not above being people of humility. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that God will grace the humble. So why not live humble? God will exalt you if you're humble. It's only a prideful spirit that will actually remove the hand of God off our church. It's only a prideful spirit that will keep the hand of God off your business and your home. But a spirit of humility, a spirit of repentance, a spirit of saying sorry, it just releases the whole blessing. We're not above it. Write down the next one. Are you, anybody being encouraged by this today? Write down the next one. This family, we do laughter. Yeah, we do. This family, we all, we live to laugh. We love to laugh. I love coming to Zoe because one thing's for sure, we're going to sing, we're going to hear a message, and we are going to laugh. We're going to laugh together. In fact, I only get upset at church, not by the crowds, but if you didn't laugh fast enough. You didn't laugh well. Come on, I love to laugh in church. Anybody else? I think I love to laugh in church so much because I grew up with the three people in my dad's church that was always given a word, and there was no laughter about that. So now at church, I just want to laugh. I I think it's a good Sunday, not so much as how many people got saved, but just as much as we laugh together. Because in this house, we don't want to endure family time. You ever grow up in your house and you had to do family time? Do family time? And it's like we're doing family time, but we're not enjoying family time. We ought to enjoy Connect Group. We ought to enjoy Growth Track. We ought to go to I Love My City and just love serving the city. Why? Because guess what? We are not living off the happiness of the world, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have been brought out of darkness, and now we're in the light. We used to be lost, and now we're found. I was blind, but now I see. I got a lot to be joyful about anybody else. I'm heaven-bound anybody else. Come on, if you got some joy in your heart, you got some joy in your step, you got some joy in your spirit, come on, put your hands together and thank God. Come on, weeping endured for a night, but joy has come in the morning. Those who sow in tears shall reap with songs of joy. I've got a reason to clap. I've got a reason to be happy. I've got a reason to laugh. I've got a reason to celebrate. I've got a reason to party. I've got this, there's, it's coming from my core. It's coming from my being. This isn't Saturday Night Live. This is from God. It's your, we're living a joyful life. 
People ought, people ought to interact with you in the world and be able to tell something is different about you. They're, I don't know what it is, but it, why? You got a different spirit. And when you get the Holy Spirit, listen, when God starts working in your life, the first thing he does is give you joy. You go from oppression and depression and mompression and whatever it is and all this sadness and gloom and negative and God gets a hold of you and you got a smile on your face because that is the power of the gospel at work in your life. Because when Jesus starts doing something on the inside, it affects the outside. You ought to start telling your, your, your smile what your faith knows to be true. Your faith ought, ought to affect your face. So you can live with a smile on your face and some laughter in your spirit and some laughter in your life. I love people that are just easy to laugh. And that's why I like watching Jimmy Fallon. I don't even know if he's funny, but he just laughs and it makes me laugh. Is he funny or not? I don't know, but he makes me laugh. And this world, you know what we need in our world? We need more joyful people. Somebody say amen. We need more people that laugh. And listen, when you come into this household, all that I ask, all your issues, all your burdens, all your stuff, come just as you are. And you ought to get around some people at Zoe in the family that have got that laughter because it's going to break up your angst and break up that spirit that's on you. And you just get to the house and get into the presence. And all of a sudden, that joy that's on them, it gets in you. And all of a sudden, you leave walking out like, man, God is good. Come on, put your hands together and thank God. It's the joy of the Lord. In this house, in this home, we do laughter. I love Moana over here, and his wife has joined him. Come on, thank God for Becky right here with her newborn baby. What a beautiful name. Can I tell everybody the name? Baby Rome. That is the coolest name ever. And... Congratulations, you guys. I love, uh, Moana was telling me the other day, and he told me, he said, come on, you guys. He's a Pacific Islander. He's humongous. Moana is a, it's a, it's, he's like the rock of our church. Come on. And the, and, and the rock was telling me the other day, he said, and he was saying, um, he said every day, you know, we try and tell our kids in the car, they got a big old bus for all the kids. And um, <laughs> you're going to have one of them 15 passengers by the time you're done. And they always try and say to the kids, it's best day ever. Best day ever. We're going to go get Slurpees. We're going to go do It's the best day ever. You think that their kids are mad about growing up in that home? No, because there's laughter. And I'll tell you what people don't think about Christians and people that go to church. The last thing that they think about us churchgoers is that we are fun and funny. They think in order to, to, to join this weirdo collection of people, you got to be uptight and serious. And Anybody got a word? And the last thing that they think is they're going to walk in the church, someone's going to look at them and go, whoop, whoop. It's the last thing they think. And I just, I wonder if you could, in your life, no matter what home you're in, whether it's your physical family or your spiritual family, just say, I'm bringing laughter to the table. Write down the last one. And this is what I want to end with. Worship team, you can come join me. But this family, I love this. This family is built on Jesus. 
this family, at the end of the day, the reason why this family works and the reason why we can all have the comfort and the assurance that this family is going to fulfill its calling is because the head of this household is a man named Jesus. The head of our home, he is the savior of the universe and his name is the name that is above all names. His name is Jesus. And because he is the head of our home, we have the comfort to know that we are going to be okay. And I love this. Keyboard player, you can start playing because it's going to make me sound awesome. (laughs) What'd I tell you? (laughs) Sounds better right away, right? Nailed it. I think, you know, one of the things that made my family growing up, my physical family work, and listen, I come from an amazing family. My parents are very godly people, and all three of us kids, we, we now have churches. My little brother is a senior pastor in Seattle. My little sister has a church in San Diego. All of us love God. All of us are wor- worshiping and serving God, and, and the reason why I have a burden for my spiritual family is because I grew up going like, I'm blessed in home, and I'm blessed at church. And, and, and the value that's over here, we got to fight for family here, and we got to fight for family here. And it's a decision that you make that you're either going to roll over to Cain and Abel, you're going to roll over to Jacob and Esau, you're going to roll over to Joseph and his brothers, or you're going to fight and say, I am my brother's keeper. I do fight for my family. No family is perfect, but one thing I am is I'm committed to the family. And the family of God, the brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that today you are receiving a burden for our spiritual family and your physical family. This is family matters, and it matters to God, and it matters to us. Come on, somebody put your hands together if you're grateful today that the reason why we can fight for it is because the head of the home is Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, Check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.